0: Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary.
1: So thank you for uh, tuning into this episode, for downloading this episode of The Scent Life. We appreciate uh, all the time that you spend with us uh, each week as we think about God's mission in our life uh, with a missionary God today, we want to ask a really uh, important question. It's a question that uh, rock groups have asked for years: Should I stay or should I go? Now, if I go, there will be trouble. If I stay, it will be double. And we think about the Great Commission text, which in Matthew chapter 28: uh, "Go, make disciples of all nations." Today, we've got a guest with us, uh, Dr. Ben Merkel. He's our Harley Davidson writing uh, Greek uh, New Testament scholar at Southeastern Seminary. And so we're really excited to have Dr. Merkel with us. So, Ben, thanks for being with us today on The Scent Life.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. And take, tell us a little bit about yourself, about the, the, your, your teaching, the ministry of teaching that you have now. You've written several books. And talk to us just a little bit about where you are, and then we'll move into uh, our conversation today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I've been here at Southeastern now. This is my 12th year. Yeah. It's, it's hard to believe it's been wow. a dozen years uh, prior to coming to southeastern I was uh, with the IMB okay um, about seven and a half years served in Malaysia okay doing mostly theological education there
1: okay very good and so your expertise here
0: yeah so um, New Testament Greek hermeneutics okay. you know how to how to interpret the Bible um, these are these are really my passion
1: very yeah. good and you've written several books books on Church leadership, and then some books on uh, learning language.
0: Right. So, yeah, I I sort of started my writing career in ecclesiology, okay. thinking about uh, the role and function of elders and deacons. Um, more recently, I've been writing on Greek grammar, uh, how to study Greek, why to study Greek. Um, you know, a few commentaries on Ephesians, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a A joy to be able to express myself through the uh, written word.
1: Yeah, Dr. Merkel is one of the most proficient, uh, prolific uh, writers on our faculties, one of the most cited guys. Every time I'm with people in churches and they talk about church leadership and elders, it's always, well, according to Dr. Merkel, according to Ben Merkel, according to Ben Merkel, so he's the the reigning expert on uh, church leadership, at least in the circles that I happen to Uh, That's
0: one way to put it, maybe. (laughs) maybe.
1: Hey, so the conversation today really uh, is dealing with uh, the Great Commission. And this text uh, at the end of Matthew that we call the Great Commission. So can you tell me where uh, in the Bible, like Paul or Jesus or Peter, somebody actually referred to this text as the Great Commission? Or do we just make that up? Or, or what, And what makes this thing great? Where do we get that name from?
0: Yeah, so it is not called the Great Commission in the New Testament. Okay. Jesus doesn't call it the Great Commission. Paul doesn't call it the Great Commission the terminology has been traced back to uh the the 15th 16th century but it wasn't used consistently really until a little over 100 years ago okay some have linked that back to uh hudson taylor the great baptist missionary to to china the china yeah it was china China. um and so it's really really more of a modern term to really capture what is happening so uh why Why then use the terminology, the great commission? Right. Okay, let's start with the word commission. Jesus does not give his disciples a suggestion. Right. Okay, so we don't call it the great suggestion. It's also not called the great command uh, because it's not merely a command that he gives to us. It's a commission that we're to join him on. So we join in God's mission and we are commissioned mm-hmm. then to... Um, you know, as one who is sent on another's authority. Okay. Yeah, so, um, so we call it the commission. We are, we are fulfilling the task that God has called us to do. Okay. But then, it's, but then why great? Um, well, if, if you look at the context of Matthew's gospel, it's really interesting. First, you have in chapter 28, you have the women going to Jesus's tomb. Mm-hmm. He's not there. The angels tell the disciples to go tell, uh, tell the women to go tell the disciples okay. he's not here Jesus is risen as the, as the women go to tell the disciples Jesus meets them and he tells the women to tell the disciples tell the other disciples to meet me to go to Galilee where I will instruct them huh. so then you find the disciples in Galilee on the mountain Jesus is, is instructing them so you have this threefold repetition in Matthew. Okay. The women, the disciples, and then Jesus is there telling, instructing them. So something big is going to happen. The other thing is this, this commission takes place on a mountain.
1: Mm.
0: Right? The disciples are go to Galilee to go to the mountain mm-hmm. that I had told them Jesus says. Well, if you look at Matthew's gospel, mountains are significant. There's a bunch of mountains in Matthew's gospel. At key places, when Jesus is giving some key instruction, the Sermon on the Mount, Mm -hmm. or he goes to a mountain to pray, or the Mount of Transfiguration, or the Mount of Olives. Wow. And so important things take place on mountains. Mm -hmm. And so you're expecting something here. At the end of Matthew's gospel now, it concludes, it's sort of this commission summarizes everything that Matthew's been pointing Mm -hmm. to. And so it's the culmination and climax of what you find in Matthew's gospel, and and then the fact that you have Jesus' final words to mm-hmm. the to the disciples, yeah. and uh, you know to quote uh, to quote Doctor Akin, where he says, um, "Last words are meant to be lasting words." That's right. And so these these final words that Jesus gives to the disciples are important. They're the words that are ringing in their ears, mm. and so. Um, and then, and then you look at the scope of this, of this commission, right? Go to all nations. That's right. Um, that is something great. And so you have, but if you look at the text itself, you have this fourfold use of all, right? Jesus has been given all, all authority. authority on heaven and on earth. Go to all the nations. Teach them all things wow. that I have commanded and I will be with you always, always or mm-hmm. literally all the days, mm. all your days. And so it, it's not by accident that this is called the Great Commission. It really is um, an amazing statement that Jesus gives his disciples at the end of Matthew.
1: It's this culminating aspect of the, of the entire gospel and really sets the disciples exactly. up where,
0: where they're supposed to go.
1: So yeah, so and so when we call ourselves Great Commission Christians, Southeastern is a Great Commission Seminary. We're not just making something up, right? I mean, we're actually capturing the essence of what the New Testament, the essence of the ministry of Jesus here.
0: Yes, we're we're taking Jesus's uh, no, final words to the disciples at the end of this important gospel, and we're saying that this this is something that we could build our lives around. We could build our ministry around. We can build our seminary around. Uh, This is worth focusing on. That's great.
1: Now, the the text itself, the the Great Commission, Jesus begins, all authorities given to me in heaven and on earth, go therefore make disciples of all nations. Uh, There's a little bit of controversy or a question in there Exactly what is the commission meaning? And so uh, I remember several years ago I picked up some, a book and you know, the, the theme of the book had to do with you're not supposed to go, you're just supposed to make disciples. Then you've got William Carey when he gives his uh, talk to the English Baptist. Uh, the obligation of Christians to use means for the conversion of the heathen. Mm -hmm. And he was, this real emphasis, you got to go, you got to go. It's about us doing something. Of course, the hyper-Calvinist in the back of the room told him, sit down and shut up, young man. When God wants to reach the heathen, he'll do it without us. So you've done some research recently to try to dig down and what is exactly is this commission telling us and again i, I kind of jokingly uh, referred to the kink song should i stay or should i go at the beginning of the of our episode but but what are we seeing here and can you explain the controversy a little bit now by the way if you're listening in and you're driving or you're on a treadmill. You're walking the dog in the neighborhood, or whatever. The what we're about to do might be a ball in high weeds. Don't don't panic on us a little bit here. Just make a note. Go back, and you can check your Bible for all these resources. So, uh, so Dr. Morgan, talk to us. What's the controversy, and what, what are some things that you've yeah. discovered as the way out of this?
0: So so first of all, you read if you read the Great Commission in in the English translations, you're you're hit with four different verbs: mm-hmm. go, make disciples. Baptizing and teaching And so it could be a little um, Confusing of, as to What is the, the actual commission mm-hmm. uh, in, in The Greek text it's very clear there is, there is One imperative one command Grammatically there's no Doubt everybody agrees on this part okay. The main commission is To make disciples okay. Make disciples specifically of all the nations okay. That is uh, That is clear so that's what Jesus is telling us that's, to do. make disciples of all it. nations. That's it. When you think of the Great Commission, you should think of make disciples. Okay. Now, the, the other two uh, ideas following this, this main command of making disciples, baptizing and teaching, these are uh, subordinate ideas. In other words, they're not the main idea. Okay. They tell us the means by which okay. we make disciples. Kind of the how-to. Exactly, the yeah. how-to. How do we do that? How do we make disciples? It's not left up in the air. You baptize them, and then you teach them to obey all things. Okay. So you have the initiatory rite of baptism into the community of faith, and then the ongoing discipleship of teaching them, not just teaching them, but teaching them to, to obey. That's right. So we get them things. into
1: the church, and we teach them, uh, right.
0: and that's the disciple process. And at that point, everybody's in agreement okay. for the most part. Right. Okay. The issue is, what about this first verb right. that, that appears in, in most translations, go? Is that the best translation? Okay. And some some people would say, no, it should be rendered as you go. Okay. it into English it as should you be, go. It uh-huh. should be. Uh, it, it's, in other words, it's not because the text does not give us another command. Uh-huh. It should be translated as you go. Okay. With the meaning of something like this. The text doesn't command us to go, but it merely says... Wherever you are, wherever you might be, mm-hmm. in whatever situation you find yourself, mm-hmm. make disciples. Okay. And I agree that wherever we are, wherever we might be, whatever situation we find ourselves, we should make disciples. Very good, yeah. The issue, it's, the issue though, is whether that's the best understanding of the text here in Matthew. okay um i i find sometimes that there those maybe who are who are emphasizing evangelism over missions not that these are are, are in competition sure, no, they're I'm actually sure. right. they're actually uh friends that are closer than a brother right um <laughs> uh, but sometimes we, we we because we we feel an urge to get people to not wait until they go overseas mm-hmm. to uh engage the lost uh we say that, oh, the Great Commission, the focus in the Great Commission, after all, isn't to actually go. It's to—it's wherever you are okay. to make disciples. However, here's the— Here we here, go. Here's, here, here's the, the uh, pivot. This is why
1: Dr. Merkel is in the room with us today.
0: Uh, if you study the text in detail mm-hmm. uh, and the pattern that Matthew gives us— Okay. Okay. When you have this verb, this type of verb, preceding the, the main verb, the command. Okay. Stylistically, in the New Testament, mm-hmm. especially in Matthew's Gospel, but elsewhere sure. as well, that, that verb takes on the force of the verb that follows it. Okay. So in this case, um, it's not best to translate it as you go, because the verb go then takes on the force of the command uh, to make disciples. Okay. Now, um, instead of trying to explain it, let me try to illustrate it from some some examples. Okay. So these are places – I'm going to give you a few examples. These are places in the Bible where you have the same construction with the same verb, go, translated go, followed by a command. A command. Okay. Okay. And and what you find is that uh, the first verb, go, mm-hmm. is actually translated as a command, okay. go. So, All for right. example, sure. in the Old Testament, so I'm going to look at the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Right. So, Rebecca tells her son, Jacob, she, he says, she says this to him, your curse be on me, child, only obey my voice, go, bring them to me. Okay. Now, that word go is the, the exact same word that you find in uh, Matthew in 20. Matthew 28, okay. the Great Commission. Okay, the same, the same verb. The sure. s- it's, they're both what we call participles. Okay. In Hebrew, they're both commands. Uh huh. Command, command. Go, bring. But when they translated that into Greek, they used a participle, okay. than a command. Okay. So it's the same pattern sure. as, as in the Great Commission.
1: And so she wasn't giving him a suggestion.
0: It wasn't, uh, at, uh, my child, as you go, bring them to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you another one from the okay. Old Testament. Then I'll, then I'll give you some sure. from Matthew. Pharaoh commands the people of Israel. Right. Yeah, we know this story. Right? Go, the, that one is the word. Okay. The same exact word. Go and get to work. Mm. For the straw shall not be given to you, and you shall deliver the levy of brick making. So there's no way Pharaoh is saying, hey,
1: as you're going about your business, go ahead and make some bricks. It's,
0: it's just not possible. And so stylistically, uh, instead of using two commands, when you preceded uh, the command, you would, especially with the word go, you would use a different form called a participle. Okay. But the, the essence of it, the force of it is a command. Sure. Okay. Now you turn to the New Testament. Okay. So you have the same author, Matthew. Matthew. right? Right. So it's the same time frame. It's the same... Uh, same pen, same, same style. Exactly. Okay. So King Herod, right? Uh-huh. The king. Now what do kings do? They don't give suggestions. Right. They give commands. Right. He tells the the wise men, go and search for the child. Uh, he's not saying, you know what, wise men, as you go wherever you might be, search for the child. That's good. That's right. He's saying, go search. Hmm. Uh,
1: so in that construct, similar to the Great Commission, the search is the verb. The go would be the participle,
0: but together yes. they form two verbs. Exactly. It's the, it's the exact two same commands. form. Go. Right. And then search is the is okay. the actual main idea. Now, in the end, the second verb, the, the, the actual command, mm. is the focus. Sure. But, the, but it doesn't get done unless uh, the first the one— point is also taken as a command yeah, that makes the key point yeah um you know give you another couple okay. of examples jesus says to the pharisees go and learn what this means i desire mercy and not sacrifice it's right. a command sure. go and learn he's not saying as you go mm-hmm. um, peter instruct jesus instructs peter go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish yep that's that's not a suggestion. You don't that's, casually fish. Do it's you? not as you go. It's it's go and fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the angel tells the women. This is in the same chapter, same Matthew chapter? twenty-eight. Right. Go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. Yeah. Jesus is telling the the women, as you go, he's saying, go and tell. Right. Uh, and so, while there is the while there is some debate, uh, in the end, there is a clear pattern. Mm-hmm that Matthew and other writers of the Bible used, that is founded in the, in the Great Commission, it should be understood as an imperative stylistically. Mm-hmm. This is how you say that. That's great. So what but
1: we're not saying is don't make disciples where you are. What we are saying is in order to make disciples of all nations, the, commi- the command, the commission is you got to go.
0: Exactly. The, qu- the question at stake is what does this text say? Yeah. And um, what I found was, I, I, you know, doing this research, I looked at 12 major Bible translations. I okay. picked the best 12 English versions okay. I knew of. You know what? Not a single one translated the text as you go. Wow. I then read tw- the 12 best commentaries on this text. Not a single commentary argued that it should be translated as you go. Wow and then when you when you consider the text in its context with all the nations sure uh it's a it seems to me that it's abundantly clear that the text should be understood as a command go and make disciples yes the focus is on make disciples right absolutely right and yes we should be evangelizing wherever we are but this text is giving us commission to go and make decisions. That's great.
1: Which means that the, the the mission of God can't be accomplished just casually as we're going about our everyday business. So what so as a um, as a hermeneutics expert, a biblical scholar, when we bridge the the gap from the the text of the Bible to our contemporary world, what would you say what are some of the implications now for the church, for Christians, for those listening to us today? What are some practical implications of saying, look, the, the force of the text is go make disciples, not just as you're going, make disciples.
0: Yeah, so then the, the so what question. Mm-hmm, right. Well, this means that uh, the church should be intentional Okay. Uh, with reaching the nations. This means that organizations, mission organizations, should be intentional about reaching the nations. Mm-hmm. We have been called to reach. Uh, to make disciples of all nations. Mm. And so it's incumbent upon uh, every believer uh, in some way, every church, every denomination, to be intentional about reaching the nations. And then I would say that means, if you're going to be intentional about that, that means you need to invest resources. Uh, If you're really going to reach the nations, well, sometimes the nations are far away. Mm. It takes a lot of money, it takes a lot of personnel. Are we willing to? If this is the Great Commission, what it's the Great Commission is calling us to do—to go make disciples. Are are, are we willing to and put our put our resources behind it? Right. Uh, and and I, I think that's um, you know something that we need to examine our, ourselves. We're, we're really quick to build our own kingdom sure. here. We need to make sure that we're building God's kingdom globally. That's great.
1: That's appreciated, and thank you so much for this explanation. This has been super clear. Again, for those of you that are listening, I know that uh, their points. Maybe you think, "Man, this the ball just fell in some high weeds." Go back and listen to the podcast. Do the research. Look at the Bible verses uh, that Dr. Merkel mentioned, uh, and sh- see the comparison. And ask yourself the question: You know, what's the personal so what application for me? Now, Dr. Merkel, I want to ask you one more question as we as we close this because. The, the weight of the uh, interpreting the Bible, applying the Bible to our life really rests on um, a, an understanding of the Greek language. And for so many people, uh, uh, the biblical languages are like a dark art, right? Like, like you need some special mystical power uh, to understand this mystical language. Can you... Or on the other hand, some people would say, I don't really need to know all of that stuff right there, that academic stuff. I just want to tell people about Jesus. But what you've done is you've just bridged between the text of Scripture, the Greek text, and the practical applications of the way we invest our money, our time, our resources, and prioritize our life. Talk to me just a minute about the importance of of, of the biblical languages. And can, can just anybody learn the biblical language? Do you have to have some kind of special... Uh, m- magical gift to learn Greek? I mean, what's going on here?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, when you think about a lot of people are intimidated mm-hmm. when it comes to biblical languages. Maybe they've heard stories about uh, a friend who was in seminary or who took Greek or Hebrew. Uh, and, you know, I, I, will, I will say that um, perhaps, you know, it's not necessarily for everyone okay. to, to, to learn the biblical languages. And, you know, we are, we are extremely blessed in the English language to have so many resources, mm-hmm. so many good translations of the Bible into English. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I recognize that not everyone can or needs to okay. study the Greek language or the Hebrew language. At the same time, uh, there, is a, there is a great freedom in knowing the text of Greek because then— you know, a lot of people will ask me, you know, what's the best translation to use? Because they feel if they, if they miss that, mm. then that could set the trajectory or the theology or whatever yeah, down right, the wrong path. Right. And there's a lot of freedom in saying, you know what? Um, for me, I, that's a secondary issue because I'm not dependent on them. There are a lot of good translations, and there are a lot of strengths mm. of each one. You need to know what their strengths are sure. and, and so on. And so for me, it, it, it frees me up not to be dependent on... On what other people Mm -hmm. say or the translations themselves but you know you'd be surprised Uh, the 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 average I would say the average person who's willing to commit uh, their time uh, and it doesn't take a lot of time but just takes consistent time can learn the language and there's such a there's we're in a day and age where there's such a availability that so many people have the resources. Right. You can, if you can't come to a campus, you can study Greek online. We have online courses. That's right, yeah. If you have, uh, if you've, maybe you're a little bit rusty and you've studied Greek in the past and you feel a burden and you really want to get back into it, there are so many resources mm-hmm. to help you do that. There's a friend of mine, Rob Plummer, has the Daily Dose of Greek. You can okay. Google that. Um, you've written a couple books for that purpose. Uh, exactly, yeah. So, I've written written a book uh, co-authored with Rob Plummer called uh, Greek for Life, mm-hmm. and really it's about how do you how do you study Greek, how do you keep the Greek that you studied, and how do you get it back mm. if you've lost it? It's it's a tool uh, to do that. I've written a, another book called uh, Exegetical Gems from Biblical Greek, which give uh, thirty five uh, what I call these exegetical gems insights. If you know the Greek language, here's a, here's another example of. The benefit of, uh, you know, the, the uh, it's sort of like, you know, digging in a mine and all of a sudden you see some gold right. or you see a like gem. Like we just done the last 15 or 20 minutes and, here. And there it is in front of you and you're like, okay, yes, th- right. this was worth it. Right. The time I put in and hmm. learning the language has, is now all worth it. I have this in front of me. I can see the benefit. I can hmm. see the payoff. And so, yes, I'm trying to write books and develop resources and and, and make it accessible where as many people as possible will have access to, to God's word in, in such a way that it'll, it'll you know, not be in, in black and white, but it'll be in color. That's good. Um, and so that, that's really my, my goal and my, yeah. my passion.
1: So Greek is learning the Greek or Hebrew, the biblical language, is not a dark art. Uh, it's not something that only a select group of people can do. Uh, just takes the no. N-
0: if you if you come to my class uh, on semin- in seminary here, you will see that these are ordinary folks <laughs> learning Greek. These are these are just regular people right. who decided, you know what, I really wanna I really wanna learn the Bible. Very good. And so, um, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's not a, it's not a dark art.
1: That's good. Thank you so much, Dr. Merk, for being with us today. Thank you guys for uh, tuning into this episode of the Scent Life. As we really ask the question, uh, what is God uh, commissioning us to do uh, as we make disciples? It is to go make disciples. Our God is a missionary God, and we live our lives on mission with him. Our lives are sent uh, to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every teenager that we can come in contact with uh, for the purpose. Of seeing them come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So again, we appreciate you tuning in with us today. We appreciate uh, the time that you're with us. Take an opportunity and really ask yourself the question we ask today. Are you obeying the commission of Jesus to go make disciples of all nations?